And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. So the whole idea was putting these on and like you feel like you're in a... Yeah, because I, I said that I felt like I was in a helicopter. You know, it's like break... Well, no, that's a that's Breaker, a truck. breaker? That's like a truck. <laughs> breaker, breaker. I don't know. What do the helicopter people say? Well, you... <laughs> <laughs> I You feel like you're in a helicopter. I feel like I'm at the McDonald's doing the drive-thru. <laughs> and then the funny thing is... I also worked at McDonald's yeah. and was a drive-thru girl. Yeah. We have that's so random that we have this in common that we were both so Yes, we did. <laughs> I worked at McDonald's all through high school. It was a small town. There weren't a lot of different jobs, so you usually worked at a fast food place and yeah, now I'm vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to McDonald's. <laughs> I wouldn't say they were the only thing, but um definitely I'm sure that played a part. <laughs> so we don't um want to offer an invitation to McDonald's to be a podcast sponsor. <laughs> Unless they offer a if vegan menu. You can menu. see my face, and I don't know how you express cringing, but <laughs> what was that joke you were talking about about vegans? Uh, well, it's a. It says, "How do you tell if somebody's a vegan?" It says, "Don't worry, they'll let you know, or they'll tell you. Like you don't have to even ask." <laughs> so I always feel weird about saying I'm a vegan. Like, <laughs> so I have a character in one of my scripts I'm working on who's a vegan. And we were like, we just Googled vegan shirts. Oh, gosh. And oh, my gosh, the <laughs> vegan shirts. If you guys want some fun, Google vegan shirts. They know how to tell their story. That's all I got to say. I, I'm in love with the vegan memes. Like, I just sit yeah. there all day, and then I blow up Roberto's phone with them, and he's like, oh, gosh. Because he's not there yet. He's vegetarian, so he's, like, on that cusp. <laughs> hey, this is episode two. Oh, right. Of <laughs> you're like, oh, right. <laughs> Rebecca and I are in the Brave Maker offices, and we are recording our in intro to episode number two yes sneaky in some time to get this done happy new year everybody it's 2019 and we have a uh, podcast audience this time we <laughs> have, well, it's actually a live podcast we can call this a live podcast mm. <laughs> because roberto the mister of rebecca is in the house give a little shout out roberto we'll, we'll hear you go ahead <laughs> all right so we have this episode we actually interviewed each other so Rebecca and I grilled each other with questions on brave making. So we'll play that. But before we intro that, we thought we would recap some stuff and forecast some stuff. Yes. Do you want to recap our event from Collisions? So we had a private or exclusive, really cool screening in downtown Redwood City. And it went amazing. It was a packed house. We had a panel discussion. There were so many great things that came out of it, including um, interacting with the audience who had a really great reaction to the movie and a personal story. Mm -hmm. Jesus, Jesus, I remember. Was a guy, I think he said he was from Stanford, right? Yes. Was he a Stanford student? Yeah. Yeah. I think he said he had a full scholarship there. So, and he was an uh, DACA? Yeah. He was, yeah. So he was, I mean, that's just, you just don't know. Like there's no way to say a 
you know, undocumented, you know, person is this or that or this. Mm -hmm. But here's a guy who's working his way, you know, in the educational, most prestigious educational system that we could recommend in this area being Stanford. And he says he hasn't seen his family in years. Yeah. And so he recognized and related with the story of Collisions, which was about an undocumented uh, mother who separated from her family. And it was really cool. I thought we needed that. We needed someone to share that because we tried to get someone to be on the panel. Yeah. And they were too afraid, you know, to be public about where they were in their journey. He was a brave maker. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he stood out. And the great thing that I thought was so amazing was this, all these people who were mostly strangers to each other. Mm. And everybody, when he said, you know, he came to Stanford, everybody clapped. clapped. Everybody supported him. We were all allies. It mm -hmm. was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you are just joining us and you didn't get episode one, take a listen. It's with the filmmaker, Richard Levine. And we were so just grateful that he was our first Brave Maker screening uh, in December 2018 and his interview was number podcast number one and we're actually going to bring him back uh, we're hoping that it's going to work out for him to come back to the film festival in June 2019 in Redwood City so but our monthly screening series is continuing so if you're listening to this in January we want to invite you to our next screening which is on January 19th and it's with a documentary called I'll Push You. The filmmaker will be there and it's a story, a true story of two best friends who go to Spain which that's a good segue for what's <laughs> what Rebecca's doing next uh, who go to Spain to hike it's called the El Camino mm -hmm. and it's like a 500 mile journey that you take, it's like a pilgrimage Yes, and People, I've, I mean, it's funny, I never heard of it until this movie, and now I want to do it. <laughs> but they did the 500 miles together, but the interesting story is one of them was in a wheelchair. So that's why it's called I'll Push You. His friend uh, said he wanted to do it, and he said, I need you. And the guy said, well, I'll push you. And so they gathered people along the way to to carry and to pull and to you know just work this awesome thing together. So we're going to watch the film. The filmmaker will be there, and then we're going to have a special guest, one of my friends, who is in a wheelchair after an accident uh, diving, and he's been in a wheelchair for some time, and him and his wife will share their story of learning to thrive through that. And then we're gonna have the founders of the Magical Bridge Foundation, which is an inclusive playground that's actually groundbreaking to allow kids who are in wheelchairs and families and parents who are um, physically limited in some way to have the same type of play experience as any other kid in, in an environment that's suitable to them. So really excited about this. January 19th, 7 p.m. It's a Saturday night. We're using a church building in Redwood City. Graciously, it's going to save us a little bit of money to do something different. Um, we'll be back to the theater. I'm going to give a little foreshadow to the theater on March 25th. It's a Monday night for the film called Bias. Mm. So we'll be back to Century 20 for that 2019, March 25th. So mark your calendars. So speaking of Spain. Yes, Segway. Segway, the Segway <laughs> time. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of cool things coming up in our lives. Uh, we're heading out, my husband and I, to Spain. And um, I still have a studio there and a lot of great friends. So we're going to go and see them. And uh, also going to take uh, some podcast interviews, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, she's got gear. Conversations. I'm going to take some gear and have up. some conversations. and talk to some creatives out there from different countries and just bring a little bit of flavor. And uh, Tony, what's going on for you? I oh got, it's crazy. So tomorrow I start a five day acting gig on a film that's shooting in San Francisco, which I'm really stoked about. It's called The Phone. 
And I don't know a ton of information about it, except for it's kind of like a, if you know the Hangover movies, it's like one of those raunchy comedies mixed with the like Joaquin Phoenix movie called Her. It's a uh, film about Adam Devine, who is in films like um, Game Over Man on Netflix. He is, you know, Workaholics TV show. He was Pitch on Modern Perfect. Family, Pitch Perfect. What's his name in Pitch Perfect? I think Thump- it's Thumper. And- Maybe maybe Roberto can. <laughs> Roberto, yeah. can you nod? Can you can you um, fact check that actually yeah. on your phone? What's Adam Devine's character's name? That's and, Roberto's uh, favorite <laughs> thing to do. Fact check me. So he's over here. So the husband is uh, not only live audience, but he's also fact checking us. Put him to work. Uh, so yeah, I got this role. I'm playing a journalist uh, in this film. And it is a, a comedy. I'm super excited. I have to report to set at 6 a.m. tomorrow. And I have five days, four days this week and one day next week. And so, yeah, hopefully I'll have some fun stories to share. And I, you know, maybe I'll invite someone to be a part of the podcast. You know, sometimes you got to tread really lightly on mm. set. And so far, even in all the email correspondence, they haven't said anything about, you know, don't social media, don't publicize. But usually, like, you can't really swing your phone around. And you got to be really chill with all the people. But the directors are really well-known screenwriters and directors and, you know, obviously the actor. Roberto, do you have the information over there? You're looking like you do. Bumper. Oh, Bumper. bumper. <laughs> <laughs> I was cl- Thumper's from Bambi, bumper. actually. I was going to say, either way, it kind of works. So Bumper. So I'm Close. with Bumper from Pitch Perfect. Uh, <laughs> and I just started following him on Instagram. His name is Andy Bovine, I think, on Instagram. So his real name is Andrew Devine. But, oh, my gosh, his Instagram is so funny. So, yeah, so I'm excited about that, everybody. And uh, this is episode two. And uh, follow along, by the way. So when you're in Spain, you're going to post some – if you guys get interviews, which sounds like you have some people to interview, mm-hmm. you'll use hashtag Brave Maker Podcast, right? Yes. And your Instagram, too. Can you tell them, again, what that is? So it is R-A-M-O-S-A underscore K-A-H on Instagram. And I'll be posting kind of my journey – in Spain and, and maybe some behind the scenes of the podcast. But you have another exciting thing coming what? up. You'll be doing on the road podcasting too. Oh yeah, I'm going to Sundance. Yeah, that's so right. So many things. So many <laughs> things. I'm going to Sundance at the end of January. So I've already been like reaching out to people to do some interviews too. So we'll have some more stories to share. So it's super exciting. There's a lot of great things yeah. going on right now. And don't forget, if you didn't listen to episode one, listen to it. But composers, we're looking for you to submit your stuff because we want to use it to play here on the podcast and we'll give you shouts out shouts out <laughs> shout outs <laughs> and use your music for our outros and stuff cool anything else no i think that's good all right oh feedback we always welcome feedback so let us know what you think let us know what you think let us know what what we could do better just be nice about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right here's the podcast the interview with rebecca amosa and tony gapson That's us. Brave stories change the world. You are the story. That was awesome. (laughs) So you want to just do a little chatting? You want to do some like talking? We can do something for like episode two, like talking about our creative journey. Uh, Sure. Cool. Um, you go. You start. Okay, cool. Well, hey, welcome to episode two. We are your hosts. I'm Tony Gapastone. And I'm Rebecca Mosa. <laughs> and for this episode, we thought we would interview each other because we're two 
brave makers sitting in a room putting our stories out into podcast land and it would be good for us to share so you get to know a little bit about who we are and what we're about and uh, as this podcast continues to develop we'll keep telling you what we are experiencing in the world the kind of work we're doing and hopefully connect you with other brave creative makers out in the world but let's start can I interview you can I yeah, start first let's go okay <laughs> One of my favorite questions I'm realizing lately is how and when did you first realize you were a maker in some way? Mm. Is there a story from your past when you were a kid when you realized you were creating in some way? Yes, like my entire childhood. Basically from hosting little cooking shows in my kitchen with nobody watching but just showing like the creativity of mixing foods and just disgusting things, putting it all in a bowl and pretending that people were watching me, uh, to doing little plays with my friends. I would do photo shoots with them and stylist things, and this is at like 10, 11 years old. And then specifically in fashion, there's a great story because my sister went away to school and left a garbage bag full of clothing. And in my mind, mm. I, <laughs> I thought, I think I was about 13, I thought, she doesn't want this, she left it. Mm. And uh, so I opened up the bag and started cutting it up and sewing things together. She had, you know, fake leather plants. Um, she She's quite a few years older than me, and she had a jersey from uh, a sports bar that she worked at. She had to return, b mind you. And I cut that all <laughs> up, and I made just this really kind of cool stuff that I was getting ready to wear to school. And she came back and was like, where are my clothes? <laughs> And uh, so I, I really, I really realized that I, I like to make things. I like, you know, to put things together. And, and now I do sustainable fashion, which is, uh, you know, a lot of upcycling and, you know, using what you already have. So I guess that was already in, in my genes or whatever. Uh, that's cool. So how old were you when, when that happened? I think I was about 13. 13, okay. Um, also, my, my sister, my mom, my brother, they're all beautiful artists. You know, they have a lot of artistic... Um, tendencies so I kind of always saw that my grandpa was a musician so I think I always saw that al also growing up that art wasn't really the scary thing mind you none of them did it as like their full-time job but yeah so in the episode uh, last time when we were talking about why we're doing this you talked about learning about being a storyteller and that's how you're viewing yourself of late which I think is really cool but you talked I've heard you talk about mm -hmm. fashion as a story yes uh, for me well, fashion is the way that we communicate to each other within a few seconds. It's something we all have in common, you know, unless we're running around naked. We're all wearing some <laughs> kind of clothing and we're and we're telling people what we want them to know about us. And that can change depending on the situation you're in. So I love the story that people are telling the minute they walk into a room by how they put themselves together or didn't. Mm. And um, also you can always see what's going on in society if you look back at the fashion, whether... Um, it was, you know, in the 70s when things were free-flowing and, you know, people are, or, or now when people are protesting, you find a lot of protest words or a lot of sayings across shirts. You can uh, look back historically and see what was going on in the time. So fashion, it, fashion is um, not frivolous to me. It's still very interesting and it's uh, like a sociology type experiment, I guess. <laughs> so when you take in the world, mm -hmm. you love to look at the colors people choose the type of clothing and styles and does that in your mind does that communicate like oh I know that person because of what they wear do you feel like you can have a conversation or you're drawn to certain people because maybe you might know them better tell me more about that I think I can I think I can kind of see how people want to be seen I can understand that from looking at them from 
like you said, from the colors, from how they're choosing to wear. And then I can also, you know, figure out how to approach them because if, if mm. a person is dressed in a suit or if a person is dressed, you know, punky, you kind of know what a bit what they how they're going to present themselves, um, not just fashion wise, but their personality. So it's very interesting and, and usually it's right. Um, so, yeah. Have you ever run into someone who maybe surprised you in some way because of how they presented themselves fashion wise versus personality wise? Uh not really like you can't always choose fashion because myself a lot of times when people see me um their idea of a fashion designer might be something glamorous uh, and, and if i'm physically working yeah. um any fashion designer will tell you you know you're like dirty or any artist behind the scenes and if somebody were to see me at that point they're not going to associate me with fashion so other people have those as well so it doesn't tell you everything but yeah. for the most part um when you're out in society i love to people watch and i love people mm -hmm. i love you know, human, human experience, people's stories and yeah, putting it all together. So do you think there's some pressure then knowing that people ex like, oh, you're a fashion designer. Do you ever feel that? Oh, oh definitely. Because sometimes it's, oh, oh, <laughs> you're a fashion designer because they catch me on one of those times. Because if you ever watch a fashion show, um, a lot of the times the designers that come out in the end, you'll notice they have the same uniform and you know it you know they're always wearing all black like head to toe if you just start watching um it's because our minds are so creatively into the fashion we're creating that we don't necessarily put a lot of time into ourselves mm. um and you're just so busy so yeah the perceptions that people have you know there are the odd fashion designer um like with Versace Donatella she's always you know amazingly brought you know done up but a lot of us are just kind of <laughs> kind of uh messy and and um not what you would think so definitely a lot of that oh <laughs> hmm. and then they see my work and then they're like oh okay yeah we get it but yeah what do you think is brave about designing Whew. i guess it depends on the type of designer mm -hmm. uh, you are but for me i try to go there i try to um to not be afraid to show um different stories like for fashion for me is a story i'm i'm telling a concept so i think it's brave to be able to say, state a voice you know i've 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 researched different topics like depression and anxiety or about you know um not specifically just uh, ha the way that you move through the world as a person of color and that type of thing um so that is brave um also You can take time to think <laughs> about it. Yeah, I'm. I w I would like to say that I am notoriously private, mm -hmm. and I am here for all of the uh, introverted creators. Yeah. So <laughs> I want to be completely authentic with that. That I really love to. I love to write because I can sit down and really internalize and say, bring out what I want to say. So. For me, sometimes my mind is going and the words aren't always coming out as fast because I'm really internalizing it and that's the way I work. And I know there's many, many people. Mm -hmm. So let me be an example for you. It's okay. You can get on air and you mm -hmm. can like be authentic and say, I need a second to think about that mm -hmm. um, and not always be on your toes. So for all of those people that uh, empathize with that, I'm here for you. <laughs> uh, I love that Rebecca's in the Brave Maker community with me because I do. I need the perspective that she brings as a woman, as a person of color, as an introvert, <laughs> as a non 
American <laughs> citizen, <laughs> uh, this really worldly woke view that she brings. So I guess my last question would be, what are you, I mean, my last question, my second to last question, oh what are you learning as someone who's stepped into the American culture as an artist, as this creative person who has this really colorful background, diverse background. You've, you know, grown up in Canada. You're half Ghanaian, which you say differently. Say it again. How do you say it? Ghanaian. Ghanaian, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's from Ghana. Uh, I always I thought it was, I think, whatever, Ghanaian, Ghanaian, however you say it. I was yeah. like, oh. So y then you lived in um, uh, <coughs> Spain. You married a guy from Panama. <laughs> and then you step into California in February, right? Sorry, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. February of 2018. So what are you doing with all of that experience when it comes to your creative, when you're com when you're creating things and you're making things now? Or what is coming to mind when you want to create stuff based on all of that culture and history and experience you're bringing into the space? Anything come to mind? I think that every experience that I go through is is changing the way I view things, is changing the way I create, specifically for coming to the US. It's been eye-opening, you know, we're in a we're in a interesting time right now, um, especially as a as a woman and as a person of color. So I think that my work and the way I think about things is is becoming more of um like a, I want to be an advocate. Mm -hmm. So my work uh, and you know, more of a protest idea and I'm more of exploring those types of things. Um, but yeah, it's different. There's a lot of nuances in the culture um, in the U.S., a lot of a uh, little bit of differences from Canada and from other places I've lived. And right now, I'm, I'm, I, there's so much to take in that I'm really just kind of absorbing. I'm just in this mm -hmm. absorption state where I'm taking it all in and then figuring out how to process it. You know, as an introvert, that's how I work. Um, and it's been interesting. It's, it's definitely been different than I thought it would be. So there's, there's a lot to learn. And um, uh, a lot of different um, positive things and then not so positive things. So mm -hmm. that is life. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that you said yes to coming to America. <laughs> and I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> Have you seen that, that, that movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. Oh, my gosh, 80s. Uh, that wasn't my experience. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, the second... Uh, the, the last question I wanted to ask you is we talked a little bit about it last podcast, but so the film world, mm. uh, when you think about entering into it, what gets you excited? What are you looking forward to do? You're dabbling and already doing some writing potentially. So thinking about more than just wardrobe fashion type stuff, but I'd love you to talk about that. Yeah, the the film world really excites me because as Tony we we've talked about before is that it encompasses so many different creative fields. Mm -hmm. Um and you know, you get to collaborate with a lot of different cool people and I guess the way I see things are just it's like a constant movie playing in my head and I never really realized it until I kind of started thinking about it, but um the way I look at fashion, the way I look at life, I just kind of see these scenarios and these movies and these types of things. So it's interesting to be pulling that out now and, and seeing, you know, how I can best use it, whether it's writing, whether it's, you know, incorporating my fashion, um, whether eventually it'll be directing or whether it'll be editing. Uh, there's so many different areas to, to explore and that's really exciting to me. That's cool. I was laughing because I was thinking, man, 
I want everyone to make a movie. And <laughs> I just love that like you're going to do a lot of the elements of filmmaking. You're going to, I can totally see you directing your own. Well, you're going to do yeah. it. Like you are. It's cool. Okay, my turn. What do you want to ask me? <clears throat> hmm. Tony, what <laughs> makes you a brave maker? Ooh. I have to overcome my own insecurities all the time. I feel I, I am an uncomfortable person. I don't ever feel like I fully fit in, to be honest. Mm. I, like, I think a lot of my life, even from like a little kid, I just always felt like I was different. I didn't know, you know, being a boy growing up in the 80s, you know, there was a very insensitive, like, you know, man up and don't cry and that type of thing, which still exists in certain places in like Wisconsin, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but the, going up in the Midwest, you know, I tried to play baseball. I tried to play basketball. It was not happening. I just was not into it. Where did I feel alive? It was in the theater and doing creative stuff. And I always felt a little disconnected from the rest of the boys, quote unquote, in my group. You know what I mean? It wasn't like where I could, yeah, I just felt like something, you know, I just had to figure out my life on my own. And that came with me rippled I think into a lot of ways like how I became you know listeners you should know I spent 20 years as an ordained pastor and I served within a church culture and my faith is very very important to me uh, as a creative as a storyteller I believe everything is spiritual in some way and I never felt like I fit in fully in that culture either just because I asked different questions or I was curious about different takes on life and I always wanted to be around people who weren't the majority mm. in some way. I felt like I wanted to be with people who, like, I, you know, I spent a lot of time on the streets, like learning to see the other as equal. And I don't mean to say that in any condescending way, but there's, a, there's sometimes a, like a dichotomy in our world where we think we're better than somebody else, but some of them like the, the most influential people in my life have been people who were not rich and in affluent or influential right. but were these humble powerful but poor quote unquote people who i met through the streets or a boy that i met in africa uh, or on the streets of chicago herbert this uh, bell ringer who changed my life you know what i mean so things like that i always feel like uh, my storytelling story is like just trying to figure out like being okay with who I am, being understanding my value doesn't come from people like me or like my work or not. I got to like me. <laughs> I got to like who I am. And I got to find that I fit in just because I fit into me. That's it. Tell me more about the story with Herbert. Oh, my God. You said it changed your life. You can't leave, <laughs> you can't yeah, leave our listeners hanging. Yeah, so I was in Chicago. I was in uh, school. I was a uh, senior in college. It was my last semester. And in Chicago, winters are hellacious. They're hell. <laughs> I mean, it sounds weird to say winter is hell, but uh, it's so cold and awful. So maybe hell is cold. I don't know. But I, I can understand. Yeah, <laughs> right? You're from Saskatchewan, Canada. So I was going to this Kmart to get some toiletries, and I was freezing, and I was running in, and there was a guy, big, large African-American guy ringing a bell, you know, like very big presence, very big, loud voice, mm. and he was ringing the bell, you know, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I, I, I'm a college kid. I'm barely paying my tuition. I have no money to give, right? Yeah. I go get my stuff and I, I run out and I hear this voice going, God loves a cheerful giver. Almost like, like remember the Fat Albert cartoons? Like yeah, it sounded like that. 
you know? And he said, God loves a cheerful giver. I rec- I told you how my faith has been super important to me. Mm-hmm. He was quoting a scripture and it was like something in a movie. I just felt like I need to go back. I need to go back. I want to be a cheerful giver. And I mm. gave, gave him the money in my pocket and uh, he asked me what my name was. I told him, asked him what his name was. And we just started talking and we became friends. And I would go to Kmart and hang out with him during his break, quote unquote. Mm. Uh, we would go to the Sizzler, which is like this really crazy little dumpy restaurant, I think. I don't know if it still exists. I feel bad for saying that about Sizzler. Oh. Uh, but we became friends and I realized Herbert wasn't just a homeless guy. He was a guy who just happened to be experiencing homelessness. Yes. And Herbert changed my life. He gave he he became a, st- a story for me. He became something, someone that was super important. That was before cell phones. So I had to call Herbert on a payphone when he would be in, in the shelter at certain hours to try to connect with him. And the coolest thing was he bought me dinner one time. He demanded that he pay for the meal. And I was like, you know, no, no, no. You know, in my mind, like, you're homeless. You know, but no, yeah. he wanted to dignify himself. So I use Herbert's, you know, relationship with me to define a lot of my storytelling. I want to tell stories about people that we wouldn't expect are, are the heroes of the story. You know, I could easily have been like, I'm the 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 rich white savior, you know. Mm. But no, Herbert saved me in a lot of ways. And when I came to California... I just saw people differently. I started connecting with people in different ways. And that really, you know, for me, I wrote a, you know, wrote a film about Herbert in Neighbor. Like I wrote a short film and that's really Herbert in some way. Mm -hmm. He became the hero of the film Neighbor that I did because I saw the power of someone who was invisible to the world, but really could rise up and um, make change and affect justice, you know. Oh, I love it. I love how these human stories can change the trajectory of yeah. of our lives, you know, the smallest the smallest thing. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go back to you were talking about acceptance and I'm really curious about how filmmaking or being creator has helped you accept yourself mm-hmm. or has it? Yeah. Storytelling is very therapeutic and healing for me. I feel like I get to explore questions that I have. I think some of the best filmmaking advice I I've received, and I can't remember who said it, but it's the best films don't give answers. They ask questions, mm. and I've really tried to take that to heart when I'm writing my my work. I want to, uh, again, I like the word explore. I want to go on an adventure, and I find myself in those characters. Uh, you know, we just shot something a couple weeks ago here in Redwood City, and it was a very short little film that I got to write, but I just got to write these little characters, these little real people interacting around forgiveness and around desperation or around the need for hope. And I remember feeling so impacted by watching these actors bring to life what I was writing because in some way it helped me feel something that I needed to feel. I needed to feel hope. I might not be experiencing homeless or I might not be losing my job or I might not be dealing with an unwanted pregnancy. But as I watch Mm. these characters deal with those things and that how they needed to find hope gave me hope in my own journey, you know, as a creator, because being a creator is really not sustainable. Sometimes it's not, uh, and I don't mean sustainable, but meaning like it's not, certain (laughs) financially certain right right? it's it's really crazy it's very risky and those small expressions of my creativity really help 
stabilize me. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. And as the brainchild behind Brave Maker, you know, <laughs> the, the founder, the creative director, you know, behind this podcast, what is it that you hope that Brave Maker, the Brave Maker podcast mm -hmm. as well, will bring to the world? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I, I hope in, in big ways these little conversations, these little tiny things that we're talking about as you're jogging, you know, on, on your morning routine or as you're commuting to work on the train or as you're in car waiting in traffic or as you're in a line, whatever, at lunch. I hope these little conversations give you big inspiration to keep going. Even if it takes you 10 years to see your project come to life, it's worth it. Uh, if you're wanting to give up right now, my hope is you start making a list of little things that you can do to get that creative force that you have within you, uh, let it find as a voice, elevate that story that you need to get out into the world. And it just takes like one thing at a time, one baby step at a time. That's all it takes to get to where you're trying to go is you just need to take one baby step at a time. And so my hope is this podcast inspires more work to get out in the world that we can participate. I want to be a beneficiary. Mm -hmm. of I want to benefit from all the work that is being made in our community. And so these podcasts, I hope these interviews, these stories, the way that we're going to talk about the ups and downs, the highs and lows of making, I hope that you, the listener, become a brave maker and see yourself as a brave maker. And I hope you don't compromise with trying to make things that people are going to like you for. Mm. You got to make what you got to make. And it doesn't matter if they like you. Yes. <laughs> you got to get that work out into the world because it's in you. And if you don't get it in you, you'll like implode. You know, that's that's some of my hope with the podcast. Amazing authenticity mm -hmm. in your creating. I had one last question. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious about um, a little bit about your creative process and if there's anything that you're working on currently that you'd kind of like to share yeah, feature films. That's what I'm trying to be about. I'm trying to be my own little brave maker cheerleader and get <laughs> these feature films out into the world. So uh, I would happily encourage our listeners to check out bravemaker.com slash thorns. And you can see I've sort of written up my, my synopsis for this film. It's called The Thorns We Live With. It's a personal story that I am going to be directing. I wrote it and it's a two hour feature film based on my grandmother's suicide and how it affected me and affected our family. It's a family drama, if you will, about um, I made some fictional choices to change up the story so that it's not, you know, <laughs> totally everything about mm -hmm. what happened in my family. But uh, a family comes together around Thanksgiving and they're estranged, but they reluctantly come together to their mother's house only to find that she's overdosed. And they have to put together their life and all their skeletons come out of the closet and reconcile each other as they reconcile her life. So I'm really excited about it. I'm looking for investors and we're putting together a team. We're going to have a meeting today, which is so exciting about it. And I would love you know, to share on this podcast the journey of what it looks like to make a feature film. So if you're trying to make a feature film, I'm going to include you in on the process. I'll tell you what I learned and probably interview some of the people that are going to work on the film here on the podcast as well. So stay tuned to hear about that. You can also check out another film I'm working on called 33 Days. It's a true story of a guy who lives in the San Francisco Tenderloin and started a school and a church and a rescue mission. And this guy fast, he did a hunger strike for 33 days in front of City Hall, demanding that the government 
the city government change the dynamic of the way that they were um, overlooking the least, the poor, the, the kids of this one square mile in the Tenderloin, San Francisco. And it's, uh, it's at 33daysfilm.com. So that's a feature film that I'm producing. Yeah, and I wanted to ve- uh, to vouch for both of those, uh, whether it's the Thorns uh, movie. I've seen some of the table reads and the live script reads, and I've watched the teaser for 33 Days film, and they are full of emotion mm. and impact, and I highly recommend that you check out any information that we uh, put out there about them. Thank you, Rebecca. This was fun. Yeah. We just did another podcast. So thank you for joining us as we begin this. Um, Thank you for coming along with all of our realness, our humanness, Mm -hmm. um, our authenticity. We hope to share in, in these journeys, these stories with creators with you. Be brave makers. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating, and share with a friend. Brave stories change the world. You are the story. Want to be social? Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bravemaker Inc. <laughs>